Good morning. Uh, I want to thank Father Mitch uh, for inviting me uh, or allowing me to come and preach. Um, been going to all the parishes that I was assigned to as a seminarian, and it's been a beautiful experience. Uh, Father Mitch did say, though, that I had to keep it kind of short, so what I s- promised him is I would keep it as short as him. <laughs> About three years ago, there was a video that became very, very popular on Facebook and on YouTube and things. And it was called, It's Not About the Nail. You may have seen it. It begins with, the whole point of the video is to show how men and women handle problems. Show the difference of how men and women handle problems. The way they do it is, this woman's talking, saying, there's just something weighing on me. It's hard. I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't really know what it is. But it's really, it's a difficult thing. It's like a pressure in my head. And at a certain point, she turns. And when she turns, you see about a three-inch nail sticking out of, the fore, out of her forehead. The guy, her husband, is sitting on the side and looks at her and says, I bet if we take the nail out, it wouldn't be a problem. Like guys, we're like, we're, we're, we're like hey, we see the problem, let's fix it. And the woman is sitting there saying, quit trying to fix it. Just, just be with me in it. And then the guy responds, I bet that's really hard. It's the best shot he got, right? And the woman responds, it is. And she's finally getting the compassion, right? And this video, while, while it's funny and it's a joke and, it, and it's definitely uh, a little bit exaggerated, it reveals something to us about how men and women approach a problem. Neither one of them is necessarily right, but they just, we, we focus on problems differently. If there's a problem, like right now, a lot of us are kind of cleaning out closets and going through that spring cleaning. A, cl- a, a closet that's too cluttered, a man is like, I'm going to knock that wall out. We're going to make this thing bigger. We're going to add another bar. We're going to hang up all the clothes you got. The mom, though, is going to be the one that's going to say, look, we're going to sit down and we're going to go through stuff. And we're going to see what you really need. And go through the emotions of throwing things out. She's not going to throw out the shoes. <laughs> shoes going nowhere. <laughs> but this, this, there's, a, there's, something, there's something to that. That men, a lot of times, we want to fix from far. And women have a tendency to jump right in. Right into the emotions of the situation. Today, in our gospel, we hear Jesus do both. We hear Jesus do both. And do both well. In our gospel, in our gospel Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of, of Ezekiel that we hear in the first reading. Where God, speaking through Ezekiel, says, I'm going to call you out of your graves. I'm going to call you out of the graves. And you're going to know that I am God when I call you out of graves. When I raise the dead to new life. Jews are sitting there. They see Jesus do this. Jesus is telling us something about himself. He's saying, I'm God. I have the power to be able to fix from far. I can point, I can see an issue and I can fix it. God, all powerful. I'm him. I'm the one you've been waiting for. Water to wine, make the blind see. I can fix the problem. But Jesus doesn't stop there. 
The entire mystery of the incarnation is that Jesus wants to enter in to the human condition, into what it is that who we are as human beings, our struggles, our joys, our happiness, our sorrow, everything about us. Jesus wants, God wants to be completely associated with us. He wants to know who we are. Not just a knowledge of the mind, but like a knowledge of experience. We see this whenever we're talking, when, when we see how Jesus interacts with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Like, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are his friends. We think of Jesus a lot of times, we want to put him on a pedestal and we want to like remove him from all other things. Like, he had friends. He hung out with friends. He had his 12 apostles that were his best friends that he, he formed and he walked with. But he had other groups of friends. And these two sisters and his brother were a family that he was really close to. I mean, we've all experienced someone close to us falling ill and passing away. Like Jesus is right there, wants to be with them in their pain, in their sorrow. They invite him in. They say, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have, he, nothing would have happened. Jesus weeps with them. You can hear their hearts breaking together. He's not afraid of, being, of the emotion. He doesn't have to just fix from afar. The Lord comes into, the, into their sorrow, into their grief, into their pain, into their struggle in this gospel, and he wants to do the same with us. Jesus we read about in the gospel is the same Jesus that we receive in the Eucharist. It's the same Jesus that comes down and steps down from the sanctuary and wants to feed us. Wants to be intimately involved in our lives. Jesus in the Gospels over the course of Lent, we've heard he's not afraid of temptation. I don't know about you, I, fall in, I have temptation all the time. First week of, of Lent, we hear about the temptations of the devil in the desert. Jesus isn't afraid of that. He's with you. He understands temptation. A couple of weeks later, we hear about the woman at the well. Jesus isn't afraid about a bad reputation. He doesn't care about what you've done. He's willing to be with you in it. A, a reputation oftentimes can define us to the point where people don't want to talk to us, don't want to be with us, don't want to say anything to us. Jesus is willing to go past that. You messed up. So what? Last week we hear about the man born blind. Jesus isn't afraid of physical ailment. He doesn't care if you're blind. He doesn't care if you're short, if you're tall, if you're fat, if you're skinny. He doesn't care if you, what you look like, what you smell like. Jesus wants to be involved with your life. He's bigger than those things. And this week... Jesus isn't afraid of death. God is not afraid of even coming into our sorrow and our grief around the hardest points in our life. When the people closest to us are sick or dying, when we ourselves have some, something that's, that's just weighing on us. Jesus isn't afraid of those things. The Lord calls us to new life. 
We see, how, we see that Jesus isn't afraid of this one week from today. When we start our, when we start our walk through Holy Week. Because through Holy Week, we see Jesus go through the, enti- like the whole spectrum of emotions. He's praised to the highest on, su- on Palm Sunday. And before the end of the week, He's been abandoned. He's been beaten. He's been, he's been the victim of jealousy, of gossip, and put to death. Jesus knows and walks the walk with us. The suffering Christ knows how to enter into our suffering. God knows how to enter into our suffering. And if we allow Him to, if we open up our hearts like Mary and Martha with the hope of the resurrection, with the hope of the last day, if we, through a good and intimate relationship with the Lord in our prayer, open ourselves to God, on Easter Sunday, the empty tomb is not just for Jesus. The empty tomb is for us as well. It's that sign of hope. It's that sign that we know we will rise with You on the last day, Lord. The same way that Mary and Martha said. We know that we will be with You in Your kingdom, Lord. As long as we invite Him into our mess, into our darkness, into our struggles, into our sin. The Lord wants to be close with us. The Lord wants to be intimately involved in our lives. He doesn't want to just fix from afar. Today, as we come to this sacrament, as we come to this altar, as we come to receive the Lord into our lives, into our bodies, the Lord is inviting us to do exactly that. To open our hearts. To let Him in. Let Him into the struggles of our day-to-day, whether it be our family or our schools, our friends. The Lord invites us in. And just like, just like the dead man coming out of the tomb, who's still bound with the burial bands, who has the cloth over his face, Jesus looks, looks at the people around and says, untie him, free him, let him go. That's the command that he gives to the priest. That's the command that he gives to his church by saying, your sin, unbind them. Unbind them of their sin. So as this Lent comes to, its, comes to its conclusion, as we start to hit the climax, the end, what we've been walking towards, I invite you, go to confession. Have those bands untied. Have that veil lifted from your face. So that on, the, on Sunday, we may see the resurrection. We may, we may come to understand who it is that the Lord is calling us to be, to raise us to new life, to breathe new life into us. We have a God that doesn't want to just fix from afar. We have a God that wants to intimately be involved with our lives. Amen?